Amen. Glory to God. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to this service coming to you from the campus of World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. We want to welcome all of you, our viewers from all over the world, online, streaming, whatever, wherever, and all of you that are here in the sanctuary, you're most welcome to a brand new year. The first Sunday of 2021, glory be to God. 2020 is history. We cannot do anything about what happened in the past. But we can look forward to a fantastic, glorious future in the name of Jesus, beginning today in Jesus' name. And so our mantra here is building strong families and serving global communities. And I just want to pray that this new year, 2021, will find you in total, complete restoration, fulfilling all of the benefits of God towards you in Jesus' name. As we heard on New Year's Eve, Pastor Shina brought us a message, a prophetic word, and we are told and we believe that this new year, God will protect you, that this new year, God will purify you, that this new year, God will provide for you, that this new year, God by his grace will make you productive, that this new year, you find a peace of God that passes all understanding, and that in this new year, you will exercise and manifest your priesthood wherever you go. And of course, last but not the least, you will carry with you, wherever you are, the incredible, glorious Shekinah presence of God that is the difference maker. In 2021, you'll be a difference maker. Hallelujah! Your story will be different. Why? Because God is on your side. Amen. And so this morning, I'm going to continue on the message we started about five, six weeks ago now. And I'm going to speak this morning on uh, uh, empowered by grace, empowered by grace. But before I get there, before I get there, let me just say last week, last Sunday, we established the fact that the tithe is no longer mandated. Last Sunday, we established incredibly from the scriptures that the tithe is no longer mandated. However, unfortunately, many hear that and take that to mean we have an offering holiday. <laughs> Hallelujah. The scripture is very clear, and I'm not going to turn to it, but I'm just going to keep on speaking. You can check this out later on. In Luke 12, verse 48, the Bible says to us that to whom much is given, much is required or much is expected. Amen? So in the New Testament, under grace, we are no longer mandated to tithe. Rather, we are encouraged to give out of the gratitude of our heart because of what Jesus has done for us. I think the challenge is for many of us, we really have not come to grips with what Jesus has done. We hear the name Jesus. And for many of us, it may as well be like a designer name, Gucci, Salvatore uh, Ferragamo. Jesus is just another name. But when you fully understand the benefits of being part of the kingdom of God, it takes a totally different dimension. Nobody will have to cajole you 
Nobody will have to coerce you. Nobody will have to tell you to respond back to God out of gratitude for what he has done. I think it was Pastor Larry that said here a couple of years ago uh, concerning our salvation, the three dimensions. He said, your past is settled. He said, your present is secured. And your future is assured. Oh, my God. If you can just understand what those three things mean. The fact that your past is settled. The fact that your present is secured. And the fact that your future is assured. Nobody will have to cajole you when it comes to responding to God and giving back to him. So this morning, I want to establish how God expects for us to respond to him in our giving under grace in the New Testament. So the title for this message is Grace Empowered Giving. And on that note, can we go please to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 12 in the Amplified Translation. Amplified Classic. But 2 Corinthians 1, 12 in the Amplified Classic. I want to take a moment to define that word grace because it's a word that we've, we've used over and over and over. And I must tell you that even for me, uh, <clears throat> this definition is evolving and becoming clearer over the years. 2 Corinthians 1.12. It is a reason for pride and exaltation to which our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world generally and especially towards you with devoid pure motives and godly sincerity not in fleshly go on No, something's wrong. That scripture, again, is not correct. Now, 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 you got it. Can we go back, please, so, we can, so I can read it all together? Thank you. Not in fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Now, what I want to define for us this morning is the biblical correct definition of the word grace. Now we know that grace is God's unmerited favor. We know it's unearned. We know it's undeserved. All those things are correct. However, they are incomplete. It's God's unmerited favor. It's God's unearned favor. It's God's undeserved favor. That's true. But it's not complete by itself. Now look at what God says in his word. But by the grace of God, what is the grace of God? Watch this. The unmerited favor and merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls. So who's doing the work here? God. How is he doing it? It's exerting his influence upon our souls turns them to Christ. So what does grace do first? It turns us to Christ. Don't ever forget that. No one can be saved except by grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. Grace at work turns us to Christ. But is that all it does? No. It turns them to Christ, watch this, and keeps and strengthens 
and increases them in Christian virtues. If I'm a man or woman of grace, number one, I've turned to Christ. Number two, I am being kept, being strengthened, and I'm increasing in my Christian virtues. That is God's grace at work. Amen? There is no such thing as the grace of God upon a man or a woman and their life is not increasing in Christian virtues. Okay? Translation. Christian virtues mean Christ-likeness. You are becoming increasingly in a measurable, tangible way more and more and more and more like Christ. That is grace at work. People will see you and I, they'll say, ah, he has grace. She has grace. The grace of God is upon him or her. Amen? Now, with that being said, now with this understanding of the word grace, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, and again in the Amplified Classic. Thank you very much. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Thank you. We want to tell you for the policy, brethren, about the grace, that's the word we just defined, the favor and the spiritual blessings of God, which has been evident. What did I just tell you earlier about grace? Grace is evident. <laughs> there is no something about grace that nobody sees. Where there is grace, there will be corresponding evidence. People will know, wow. Look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing. So Paul is telling us about, about the Macedonian church. We want to tell you further, brethren, about the grace, the favor, and the spiritual blessing of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia. What does this grace do? What did he do in Macedonia? Arousing in them the desire to give alms. We are talking this morning on grace, empowered giving. We are not talking about giving out of obligation. We are not talking about giving out of coercion. We are not talking about giving out of a threat. If you don't tithe, things will be tied. No, we are talking of the grace of God, God's flavor, favor rather, working upon our hearts, empowering us, giving us the desire and the joy to want to participate. Verse 2 says, for in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, almost like what we went through in 2020, in the midst of tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty, my goodness, I don't know anyone else that's been described like this in the New Testament. These guys were so poor. Paul felt necessary to let us know. Not just that they were poor, but they were deeply poor. But something about their poverty, they had abundance of joy. Now, right there, that will tell you that this thing is the thing of a spirit. Because in the natural terms, when a person is poor or they have need, in the natural, they don't have any joy. The need they have totally overtakes them. But because we are talking about a spiritual entity, where grace, God himself, is 
enabling you, you can have joy in the midst of your need. The abundance of joy and the depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. So we see here the Macedonian church, and that's my prayer for you and my prayer for us and my prayer for everyone that's listening to me right now, that you will not just give out of your head, but you will give as God enables you, empowers you, as God moves upon your heart. Why? Out of the gratitude of knowing that you are protected. Out of the gratitude of knowing that God is purifying you. Out of the gratitude of knowing that God is making provision for you. Out of the gratitude of knowing that God is causing you to become productive. Out of the gratitude of knowing that God is bringing peace to your household. Out of the gratitude of knowing that God is establishing your priesthood. Out of the gratitude of knowing that you carry God's presence. Hallelujah. Now, how does this work? How does this work? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 6, again in the Amplified Classic. How does this work? Thank you, Jesus. So Paul, in trying to establish grace-empowered giving, is telling the Corinthian church how it works. And now we're about to read it. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he says, Remember this. Now, it's about to give them an instruction. But before he goes on to give the instruction, he first wants them to be mindful of certain principles. He said, remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. I'm about to tell you how to give by grace. But before I tell you how to do it, let me remind you of a principle that God has put in place from time immemorial. The principle of seed and harvest. We read in Genesis chapter 18. While the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Hot and cold, winter and summer, it shall not cease. So God has established that principle. So Paul said, I want to teach you how to give. But before I share this with you, remember this principle. The principle of sowing and reaping. Let me read it again. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly. Many of you give grudgingly when you are tithing. You are grudgingly saying, man, this pastor, he has come again. 10%. Uh, yeah, he has come again. Mm, so he can get off my back. Here it is. Grudgingly. Grudgingly. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he, watch this now, for all of us now under grace, who sows generously, the blessings may come to someone. The reason you and I give is that so that somebody else can be blessed. Hallelujah. He who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, we also reap generously and with blessings. Hallelujah. Let me read that same scripture, please, in the NLT. And I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures at you, at you, at you this morning. NLT, the same scripture. Here it goes. Remember, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds 
we get a small crop. Is that rocket science? Absolutely not. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So Paul says, now I'm going to show you how to give under grace. But before I do that, let me establish and remind you of a principle of God where we are sowing and reaping is concerned. Now, give me Proverbs 11.25 in the NIV. Proverbs 11.25 in the NIV. And again, just get ready. Get your pencil, your paper. I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures at you this morning because I want to establish it very well, very well to all of us. Look at what it says. A generous man will prosper. Where does that leave a stingy man? <laughs> a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So now, how many of you want to be, want to be stingy? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> how many of us want to be generous? Absolutely. I want to be generous. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Because the Bible says a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 10 in the Amplified Classic. Now it's about to tell us how under grace we can give by being grace-empowered. Thank you. Let each one give as he has made up his mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully, or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to, or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. This, Paul is telling us, this is how to give under the new covenant of grace. This is how to give. Give me the next verses, verses 8 through 10. And God, because you do verse 7, and God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing, all grace, grace to prosper, grace for favor, grace for promotion, grace in your relationship, grace with your children, all grace, whatever grace you can think of, all of it. It makes it available. Makes all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Not just coming to you, but I'm talking about coming to you in abundance. Man, time will not permit me to start testifying. This is just the what? The third day of the, of the new year. I cannot tell you the kind of blessings that God has given me, my wife and I, in these first three days. True story. At the right time, I'm going to tell you. But these things are real. They work, and the reason I'm shouting and yelling and teaching is because I want to establish you in this present truth because it works. God will always hasten to perform his word, and his word will never return unto him void. That is a fact. Amen? He <laughs> will make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always... And under all circumstances, and whatever the need be, self-sufficient. Would you want to be like that? In all circumstances, whatever the need is, that you're always self-sufficient, would you want to get to that place, or you want to continue to live in the never-enough never avenue? 
Never enough avenue. Always grappling for finance lane. Is that where you want to live? Because if you want to change houses, if you want to live in the abundance boulevard, I'm showing you this morning how to buy a new location. Abundance Boulevard is available. But you must be prompt to do the word of God to make that transition. All circumstances, whatever the need may be, you are sufficient. Possessing enough, look at that. Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Ah, glory to God. Father, let, let me just take a cellar pause right there. Lord Jesus, I pray for every man, every woman under the sound of my voice, whether they are here, whether they are at home, wherever they may be, my Lord God, that you help us to not just hear these words, but God to receive it. And because we take heed to your word, by the power of your spirit, your grace will cause all of us to be, uh, to, 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 will cause your grace will, will come upon us in abundance so that we are self-sufficient and always having what we need in order to meet other people's needs and our needs met at the same time. God, that we are well-watered garden, producing fruit to your glory in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of poverty and stinginess to depart from every man and woman who's listening to me right now. In the name of Jesus, God help us to not always look at what we don't have, but help us to look at the benefits of God that's available to us right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. We honor and we bless you in Jesus' name. Verse 9 says, as it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will not go on and end. Will go on, rather, will go on and endure forever. Verse 10 And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. So you see there, God delights in free will offerings. He delights in it. Let me just read one scripture. Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2. Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2. New King James Version will do. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak! To the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Now, watch this next sentence. From everyone who gives it willingly, not grudgingly, not as of obligation, from everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. My goodness. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9, verse 10, one of those verses, God says he gives seed to the sower. You see, this is what we don't understand. God is not asking me and you to give seed that he has not given us. He, God, gives seed to the sower. 
and he gives bread to the eater. If all you want is just to eat bread, eat, 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 and don't give, he will give you bread. You can live in the bread avenue. Bread, bread, bread. But if you want to be a sower, a paymaster, if you want to say, God, I want to take the responsibility for your house, for your kingdom. I want to sponsor missionaries. I want to sponsor churches. I want to do great things. I want to feed the poor. I want to feed the, feed the despair. If you want to do that, God says, I will empower you to do it. I will give seed to the sower. Now, time will not permit me to show you what we just read in Exodus 25. Because he asked these guys to give him an offering. But he says, I don't want an offering out of obligation. I don't want an offering that you're going to give grudgingly. No, I want a free willing offering. Ah, question. These people in the Exodus 25 were a band of slaves that just left Egypt. A band of slaves that just left the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. But if you remember, the Bible tells us in Exodus, before they left Egypt, go and ask of your neighbor, silver, gold. And the Bible says, they spoiled the Egyptians. My God. They were not asking. They were not praying for seed. But God, in his grace, we just read it, empowered them with something they were not asking for. Placed the seed in their hands and said, carry this seed, leave Egypt. They are marching away from Egypt. Left, right, left, right. Marching out of Egypt with silver, gold, substance they had never had any need for or use for in 400 years. And in Exodus 25, God stops them. He said, now, Moses, tell them. I have empowered them. I gave them when they had nothing. I prospered them when they were not asking. I placed the seed in their hand because that's who I am. I'm the one that multiplies the seed for the sower. Now tell them to give me an offering. Not pay. Not pay me an offering. Give me an offering. But I want them to give it willingly. And because those men and women recognized that it was God that prospered them. <laughs> Slaves that had nothing. You know what it means to be a slave? They had nothing. When they recognized that God was the one that prospered them and gave them this seed, they gave it so willingly. In Exodus 33 and Exodus 35, Moses had to beg them, stop giving. Stop giving! We have enough! I do not know any pastor under the face, under, under heaven that has said the same thing since Jesus. None! But here in Exodus, and even though this was under the law, but you must understand, God gave us nuggets of grace even under the law to show us what is to come to happen. They gave willingly. If these people could give so willingly. And they are not even walking in the full benefits of God. How about me and you? Our past is settled. Our present is secured. Our future is assured. 
You are blessed on three dimensions. And you are going to be stingy with God? <laughs> now, let me move on. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church on how to give under grace. Grace-empowered giving. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, in the Passion Translation for me, please, if you will. So Paul is establishing and teaching this church on how to participate on grace and power given. Look at what it says to them. Every Sunday, each of you make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed you with. Notice that now. Notice, notice. It's not asking you to give what God has not given you. <laughs> Take a portion of whatever God has blessed you with and place it in self-keeping. Don't give it to Macy's. Put it in place in self-keeping. Don't use it to pay a mortgage. Then I won't have to make a special appeal when I come. Folks, I'm looking for the day where we will never have to talk about offering in church. Woo, I can't get an amen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day when we don't take time to stop and give a salmon net so we can get your $5. And what about that day? When we will know spontaneously as I'm sitting there and listening to the praise and worship and listening to the blessings of God, God, you've been faithful. Your goodness is, is wonderful. You are a good father. As I'm listening now, ministering to God, I say, oh, God, you are, oh, my God, what can I give you? What can I render down to God? And spontaneously, Amen. as I move upon by the Holy Spirit, give the money. That's church. Right now, we're in kindergarten. We're in kindergarten. We have to Pump the, pride, the pump. Pump them up. Diola, please give us a good song. Give us a fast song. Give us a fast song. Pump it. Pump it. Pump it. Then prime it. Prime it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, there you go. Now, now give. That's where we are now. That's where churchianity is. Infantile Christianity. Babies in church. That's what we have to do. Because if we don't do that, ah, they say I was not moved. I was not moved. What's going to move you? It's in you. The Christ in you is the help of glory. What are you waiting to be moved about? We have to prime it, pump it, and then you better give a three-point salmonette. And if you're lucky, they'll give it. Every Sunday, each of you, make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed you with and place it in safekeeping, then I will. I won't have to make a special appeal when I come to you. So the apostles taught what I can call proportional giving. You give on the basis of what God has given you. You give on the basis of how he has prospered you. I will not give on how he has prospered my brother here or my sister there. Because we are not the same. We have the same Christ, but we're not the same. Just as we saw in the earlier teachings, 
when the widow gave two mites. That's all she gave. And Jesus said she's given more than everybody else that gave much more than her. Why? Because it's a matter of proportional giving, not a matter of percentage. Now, how you are listening to me say now, okay, how do I know how much God, God has prospered me? How? How do I know? Is it that I have to look at my bank account every Sunday and say, okay, God, uh, last week I had this much and this How do I know? Let me take us to Leviticus chapter 2. I'll read a passage and then I'll come back and give you an illustration on the overhead so you can see clearly. Leviticus chapter 2, give me verse 1, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 7. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 4, thank you very much. Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 2. Thank you. When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. Actually, give me the next two or three verses with that. Thank you. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons. The priest, one of whom shall make, shall take from it his handful of fine flour and all with the, all the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar and offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Give me verse, five, verse 4, verse 4. Thank you. Now, you need to really pay attention because Paul is about to help me and you understand how we can design how God has blessed us. Verse 4 says, And if you bring an offering of a grain offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Verse 5. But if your offering it's a grain offering baked in a pan. It shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil. Verse 7. If your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. Now, can you give my overheads, please, my illustrations, my pictures, whatever you guys call this thing? Thank you. This is number one offering. This is number one, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1. So this is what happened. The Israelites in their grain offering, which is the offering that represents their blessedness, the offering that represents uh, how much they prospered. God says you can give in any of four ways. And these four ways will be determined by what you have. So, number one, if all you have is fine flour, mm, you don't have an oven, you don't have a griddle, you don't have a covered pan, but you, all you have is just a fine flour, it's all right. In other words, you are not as well off as other people, but you have the fine flour. It's all right. Just bring the fine flour. Bring the raw, fine flour to the priest. The priest will take a handful, burn it before the Lord. It will be accepted. Why? 
because that's all you have. Next one. Thank you. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 4. So in your case, you prospered enough to where you have an oven. In that situation, because you have an oven, it will not be appropriate for you to just bring fine flour. Bake it in the oven. Why? God gave you that oven. The oven is a status symbol of how much God has prospered you. Therefore, don't just bring the fine flour, bake it in the oven and present it to God. Start the third one. Fine flour baked on a griddle. So in this case, you don't have an oven, but you have a griddle. Don't bring the offering in fine flour when you have a griddle. Bake it on the griddle and bring it and God will accept it. Lastly, verse 7, Leviticus chapter 2. This is a pan. That's all you have. You don't have an oven. You don't have a griddle. But you have more than a fine flour. You have a pan. Bake it in a pan. The God who knows what's in your household. He knows what he has given you. So when you present it in a pan like this, he understands. This is where you are and he accepts it. Why am I sharing this? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, that we'll give as God has prospered us. How has God prospered you? What kind of a house are you living in? Are you living in a shotgun house? Does anybody know what a shotgun house is in America? A shotgun house is a house. You go to the front door, and you see the pathway from the front to the back door. You don't see any rooms, you don't see living rooms, you don't see uh, kitchen, nothing. Just straight away, shotgun. You can fire a gun from the front door, you go to the back door, straight away. It, don't come any, it does not come any cheaper than that. Are you living in a shotgun house? Or are you so blessed that you are changing houses? And that's a blessing. I'm not talking down on that. Thank God you can change houses. What are you driving? A scooter or a rally bicycle? Or MDX, uh, what do you call it? Acura MDX. What are you driving? Because God is saying now in the New Testament, you and I give according to our property. Paul is encouraging us to give according to the properties that God has given us, according as God has prospered you. So when you are giving, you must be remembering, okay, ah, I drove here in a BMW. <laughs> yeah, hey, better not give the uh, offering of a scooter driver. Why? Because God knows. I just bless with you a BMW. You're going to give me like a scooter? Okay. You'll be driving a scooter in two weeks. <laughs> now, of course, God will not do that. But I'm not, I'm not, he will not do that. But, but I'm just saying, let's think about what we do. That's why Paul says, as you purpose in your heart, Think about what God, think about the benefits of God. He daily loads you with benefits. How are you going to show your gratitude on the benefit he's giving you? By shortchanging him and testifying through your giving that God has not done enough when he's done more than enough. Are you hearing me this morning? We give according as to how God has prospered us. Let me just close with this. 
Psalms 90, verse 17 in the NLT. Psalms 90, verse 17 in the NLT. I just want to throw this out there. We just went through, or we are still going through a pandemic. Some have been displaced from their jobs. Others are just barely hanging on. I want to help you to understand today that God can give you what we call witty invention so that you don't have to depend on the job. Look at what this scripture says. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. For some of us, you need to be thinking about starting your own. This is the opportunity. This is the time. This is not just a matter of how things are tight, things are tough. It is in tough times that great men and women are made. This is the time. All of God's blessings on Israel was, pre, was under the presumption that Israel will be a lender and not a borrower. That Israel will be an employer and not an employee. I am praying in this year that you will not be content to just sit and park in the same place. But that you will trust God and launch out, oh my goodness, so that God can increase you and can bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. Amen? Amen. And so, Father, we want to thank you for this privilege of bringing this message, the message of your grace-empowered giving. I pray for every man and every woman, Lord God, that their ears have been opened and your spirit is moved upon us to understand that your grace empowers, your grace enables, and your grace activates generosity in us so that we can sow not sparingly, but that we can sow in abundance so that we can reap in abundance. That you, God, is making all grace available to us in every situation, in every circumstance, that we become self-sufficient, having our needs met beyond and above that which we can think or ask. Again, God, I curse the spirit of poverty among your people. Because it seems to have said that you delight in the prosperity of your servants. So I declare in this new year, and I decree that your people will prosper beyond their wildest imagination. Amen. That you will take them up, establish them, empower them to possess new frontiers of industry for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. That you are raising up millionaires, you are raising up billionaires, you are raising up paymasters, men and women who have the goods of this world in abundance to give to your kingdom, to bless your people, so that your name will be glorified and honored. We honor you, we praise you, now and forever, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.